Malachi. Malachi chapter 2. And again, uh, things are a little easier this morning on our conscience, uh, on our conviction level with the Lord, because uh, we've been dealing with this book of Malachi, and it's deep into Israel's service for the Lord, and they kind of slid off the path a little while. Uh, They weren't uh, sticking with the Lord's commandments very well, and we've seen that the Lord hasn't been very happy about it. Okay, in this book of Malachi, and even Malachi describes it in the first verse of the first chapter and says, the burden of Malachi, I have a message to deliver, and it's not the easiest one on the planet to deliver. And we have been in the midst of looking at nine different things that the Lord was upset about with Israel. Uh, and we've talked about a few of them already. Well, today it's going to be a little easier because last, last week we talked about the Lord... Um, being so upset, he said he wanted to smear manure on their faces. Okay, if you remember that. That's how upset the Lord was. He said, the, the antics you're pulling is not impressing me. As a matter of fact, I would be so, just as impressed if you came with a bunch of manure on your face, a bunch of dung. That's how, much, that's how impressed I am with your behavior. Um, well, this week and today we're going to look at God's description of this covenant that he made with Eli. Uh, Eli, Levi, and he goes ahead and says, listen, I made a covenant with him, and this is why, and this is what I expect. So he just describes the priesthood and what he wants his priests to do. So with that in mind, let's go to this first slide here as just a reminder. How many of you are tired this morning? I've walked into about, about everybody this morning, they're like, Oh, Pastor, I didn't even want to get out of bed this morning. I'm t- How many of you are hot? I'm hot in here. I'm, if I'm dripping with sweat, I'm not having a heart attack, or at least I don't think I'm having a heart attack. Um, all right, so just, just try to wake you up this morning. Is God good? All right, yeah, all the time. And all the time? All right, very good. I just want to make sure, because I, I talked to Marion this morning. She said, I think I got up on the wrong side of the bed, and Charlie in the back, and then we were all just like, Ugh. So, one of those mornings. And then again, pray for uh, the folks that have been traveling and away for things, and Lynn's not feeling well this morning. Great to see Bruce here this morning. Pray for him. His test results are coming back. And um, Deb, look at her hand. It's not a big, giant lump as it was. Now it's just a smaller one, so the surgery. So thank the Lord for that. But as a reminder, the book of Revelation reminds us that Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have accepted him as our Savior, are now the priests, which is fantastic. I don't have to find somebody in this world to go to to say a prayer for me. I can say a prayer directly to God. I have access to his throne. I don't have to come to a building and offer sacrifices on an altar to reach God. Okay? The altar that he deals with me is my heart. Okay? And he says, what, know you not that your body is the temple? This is his tabernacle now. So I don't have to worry about a Sunday morning is the only time I can come to meet with God. I can meet with him all day long, every day. Because I meet with him in this tabernacle. What an amazing thing that is, right? So he reminds us that all those pictures of what the priests did through the Old Testament is things you and I can do today. Okay, we just do it on a a spiritual level, not necessarily, thank you, Lord, that we don't have to drag bulls and goats and all kinds of other stuff in here. Because remember what's interesting about last week's passage It says, I'm going to scoop up the dung from your feasts and stuff because they had to haul animals right into the temple. And I don't know if you've ever done anything with cows or sheep or or goats. They don't, they're not very uh, particular about the way they go to the restroom. So there's usually mess everywhere. Okay, isn't that great that we don't have to walk through all those little things anymore that God wants to work in us? So the things we're going to be looking at today are just a reminder and a picture of what he wants from us, his priests. So I want to read these few verses together, and then we'll break them down. And this is going to be a short sermon, because I'm going to preach it on my knees. Okay, verse 4. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that... My covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and, gave, um, and I gave them to him for the fear 
wherewith he feared me and was afraid of my, before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did not turn away many, uh, excuse me, and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way, and ye have caused many to stumble at the law, and ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I have also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as you have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for your word. Lord, be with my mind. Lord, I thank you that I'm not the teacher. We have the truth of your word. We share it with one another. But Lord, your Holy Spirit lays on our hearts what we need to understand. And so, Father, I'm not sure uh, exactly where all of us are and what we need, but uh, what the amazing part is you do. You are absolutely aware, and you know exactly what every one of us needs. And so, Father, I just pray that you would uh, remind us of those things that we can do better for you. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house, be with those folks who can't be with us today or under the weather or traveling. And Lord, just uh, thank you for an opportunity to be here to share your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, next slide says, O ye priests, again, because we're talking about the priests. So far, God has addressed a lot of the, the entire population of Israel. Now he's specifically talking about those who are serious about serving God. Okay, and we're talking about that too. And uh, one of the prerequisites that God lays out for this is that they had a healthy fear of God. And again, I think this is a major thing that's lacking in our country, especially when it comes to Christianity. Okay, uh, we're getting to the point where Christians just think they can do whatever they want as long as it makes them happy. Okay, and <laughs> I can remember a couple of times in my house, my kids had that idea. Uh, whatever going on with dad, as long as we're happy, it doesn't matter the rules, it doesn't matter what you say, as long as we're happy, we can, uh, you know, throw rocks in the living room, or uh, they didn't really do that, but uh, good thing, because that would killed them. Um, but God established his covenant with Levi, because Levi had a proper relationship with God. Remember what it said in chapter 1, verse 6? He said, if I am your master, where is my fear? If I am your father, where is my honor? So God's saying, listen, if you have a relationship that with me, that's great, but I'm not your cosmic buddy, okay? I'm not the big guy upstairs. I ought to have some respect. I ought to have some healthy fear. And again, I, I just want to say this. I know we as a church understand this and we talk about it, but if anybody happens to be listening to recordings or anything, when we talk about fear of God, think of this phrase, wait till your father gets home. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. I love my dad. Okay, we have a great relationship now. We had a great relationship. You know, I was blessed to have a nuclear family growing up. It was amazing. But there was still the time when mama said, wait till your father gets home, that all of a sudden, I still loved him, but I was like, oh no. Okay, and then the, even worse, when mom said, go upstairs to your room until your father gets home. That was even worse. Because if it was it, wait till your father get home, you can kind of distract yourself during the day until the truck pulled in the yard. Then you're like, oh, no, I forgot. Okay, But if you were sent to your room and you had to stay the whole time in your room waiting for a dad to come home, you might. it was like the holding cell before you went to the gallows. You know, It was tough. Okay, That's the kind of idea. When we're talking about fear of the Lord, we need to realize when we break the rules, there's going to be consequences. Okay, God will discipline. And God says, I gave this covenant to Levi because he had a healthy fear of me. He had the proper relationship with me as his father and his master. He had honor. He had fear. And notice it also says, and he feared my name. And we've talked about this over and over, and I can't get away from it in this book, where God says, listen, if you are going to take my name, you better be very careful. Okay, if you're going to say you are a Christian, a Christ-like one, you better be very careful on how you behave. 
Because don't you go out there, okay, and say you're a Christian and not act like a Christian. Okay, and again, I've talked about those when uh, uh, it was nice to have Roger and Donna here because they spent so many years in Korea. And again, in many of those Asian countries, honor on your family is important. And man, if you do something to dishonor your family, that's bad news. Because you could do something that you think is, eh, no big deal. And it affects your grandma, your great-grandma, your family name for, for decades sometimes in those cultures. Okay? And we've forgotten that. That's what we're talking about, where he had a healthy fear of God's name. I don't want to do anything. And I've prayed this prayer when I was in college with my, um, at Bible college with friends of ours. We almost prayed every night because it was something that we put into our routine, routine was, Lord, please kill me before I do anything to shame the name of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We're all going to mess up. But Lord, please protect me from doing some harm to his name. Because God help me someday. God help you someday. If we stand before the Lord and he says, you know, you remember that lady, uh, I'm just picking a name that of nobody I know. Okay. I'll, I'll pick on Jim. You know that fella Jim? And you were his neighbor, and you did a bunch of things, and he looked at you and said, I never want to be a Christian if that's what a Christian is. And we have to stand before the Lord someday and say, you know that guy, your neighbor, it's because of you, he's not in heaven today. You know, God promises us that when we get to heaven, it's going to be an amazing place, but in Revelation chapter 23, just before everything gets cool, God says, I'm going to wipe all tears away from your eyes. In heaven, I think there's going to be a reality that we have to own up to some of our behaviors here and what it meant in other people's eternity. We need to have an honest, healthy fear and respect for God's name that we don't go out there just flippantly saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, look at how I'm behaving. Because I know a lot of people who have said to me in the past, I know a bunch of Christians and they're just hypocrites. And I want nothing to do with it. And that's not on God. That's on us. Okay, so God, this is why he made now. I know that's heavy, but this is why God chose Levi to be the head of the priests. Okay, remember we just studied the book Leviticus. Okay, that whole book written to Levi and the, about the priests. God chose Levi because Levi had an amazing relationship with God. He understood and honored and feared and protected his name. With that in mind, let's look at some of the things that that covenant teaches us, okay? So that was a long introduction. Here we go. A Christian should have the priest's walk, and a Christian should have the priest's words. And that shows us here. So let's go on. First one, the priest's walk. You should have the word of God in your mouth. Okay, that's what it says here, okay? If you look at verse 4 again, or verse 5 again, my covenant was with him in peace, uh, verse 6, excuse me, the law of truth was in his mouth. Now, I know that's a little strange way to put things, but I kept it that way on purpose. I could have translated into a little bit more vernacular, meaning we should always be talking about God's word, but this is weird. This is how my brain works. You're just going to have to deal with me. I'm, I'm weird. Um, you ever chew chewing gum? Anybody ever chew chewing gum? Okay. Everybody's like, <laughs> okay, good. Bubble gum, chewing gum, anything like that. But chewing gum in particular. I chose not to do chewing tobacco or something like that. But chewing gum. Uh, when you're chewing gum, do you ever talk? Do you ever drink? Sometimes you can actually eat something with chewing gum in your mouth, can't you? Now, it's weird, okay? I've done it. A whole Big Mac and still protecting that chewing gum. It's close. You've got to tuck it up here in the cheek and everything, okay? But listen, that, having that in your mouth just doesn't stop you from carrying on a normal day. As a matter of fact, sometimes I sing with the Cheshireman, and if I'm chewing gum, I'll have to take it out because I forget. i got gum in my mouth, and I'm about to sing, okay? And I've actually sung with gum in my mouth. Oh, no, you just don't want to you know, come right out on you when you're singing. But the point is, you can go on, do a lot of things in your daily life, and still have that in your mouth. And whenever you're chewing on it, right? 
my wife can't stand it because sometimes I'm, I'm known for chewing my chewing gum with, without having my lips closed. Oh, that bugs me too. I can't, if, if you ever come to my house and smack your lips when you're eating, I'm going to have a convulsion right there. You know, people take a bite and they go when they're chewing. So Kim looks and she goes, and I'm like, I've got to close my lips when I'm eating. But the idea, you understand my point, that God tells us to meditate. The word that that boils down to is chewing the cud. Okay, meaning you put it in your mouth and you just keep chewing it. You keep, okay, and not to be gross, but you know what a cow does, right? Swallows it and the cow burps a little bit more up and chews on it some more. Okay, the idea is ruminate continually. Just that's what the, When he talks about the word of God being in our mouth, meaning you may talk about your car, you may talk about the weather, you may ha- have to go to work, you may just, but it's always right there. That if ever any time comes up, that the, uh, the opportunity to share the word of God, it's not like you've got to go find it. It's always right in your lips. And that's what he's saying about us as Christians. Yeah, you might have to work and you have hobbies and you have kids, and, and, but the word of God should be right there always. At a moment's notice, you can just, because you always have it in your mouth. That's the imagery here. That you and I should always be ready to talk about God's word. Yes? All right. I do something to wake y'all up this morning. We'll do a little tap dance. Okay. Remember, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou shalt observe to do according to all the things that are written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous then thou shalt have good success. You know what's funny? This is the only time you find this word in the Bible. You want to have good success? You've got to meditate on that God's word. You've got to keep it in your mouth all the time. It shall not depart out of your mouth. You're going to meditate. You're going to chew that cud day and night. It's always going to be there. All right, so that's the first thing. As Christians, we need to have the word of God right there in our mouth all the time. Number two. Okay, have that teaching, have teaching that God, words God truth. Look, verse uh, 6 again. In his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. Meaning, he taught the truth of God's word. There was no iniquity. Okay, that word about iniquity found in his lips. Like, what do you, what do you mean I can have sin inside my lips? No, the imagery is there was nothing that came forth from his mouth that was false. It was all truth. This is a hard thing today with Christians because you can find a lot of Christians who've got a lot of different ideas about God's word. And those who are on Wednesday night Bible study with us in uh, Job, we've been studying in Elihu there, and Elihu had a problem. Elihu had spoken truth quite a bit. But Elihu also added a lot of his own stuff to it. Matter of fact, last week we talked about, listen, I haven't even begun to speak for God yet, is what Elihu says. (laughs) He says, give me a few minutes. I I still have to be God's voice, okay, where he gets himself a little bit uh, too important. We have to be careful that what we're speaking is the truth of God and not just our own opinion. Make sure we're not twisting it. One of the examples I used, and this is the safest one, and it's a big one, um, there are people who will tell you that the Bible says you are never, ever, ever supposed to have alcohol. Ever. That is not what the Bible says. Okay? Doesn't say that. Never says that. It says don't be drunk with wine. It says it's a problem. It says, you know, it's a mockery. It's something that could cause big problems. But if you go to, to uh, Proverbs chapter 31, he gives us instruction and he just says, give strong drink to dot, dot, dot. So not only does it tell us not not to drink it, not, not, okay, but it actually says give it to certain people. But here's the other end. Oh, I don't, the Bible says you should never, ever, ever drink alcohol, ever. But on the other end of it, people think, oh, you can go out and have casual drinks with whomever you want. The Bible doesn't say that either. 
Okay, the Bible is very specific, and I'm not teaching about it today. I'm just using this as an example. Certain believers have taken the word of God and twisted the truth to fit their own personal thoughts. Now, if you ask me, you're safer not messing with it. But that's my personal thought. Okay, and that's why I love the fact that Dan and I have a, have a habit of saying, this is conjecture, this is my own opinion, this is an assumption we're making. Do not let iniquity get in your mouth when it comes to God's truth. You say, this is what God has said, and that is why I, you heard me pray it this morning. It is not my job to tell you what to do. It is my job to tell you what the Bible teaches. It's the Holy Spirit's job to nudge you on what to do. Because in essence, if you go to heaven someday and say, well, Pastor Craig told me to, oh, don't you do that. Because God's, first of all, going to laugh. And number two, don't you throw me under the bus. We speak God's truth. Each one of us have to make our own decision on what God is telling us. Okay, he says, number one, I mean, number two, having teaching that is God's truth. Don't mush it up with our own personal opinions and ideas. Present God's truth and let God's Holy Spirit do the work. Here it says, but having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul says, listen, we didn't try to sneak anything in on you, calling it the word of God. We handled the word of God the best we could. We weren't deceitful with it. We, we presented it as truth and let God work on you, on your conscience. We presented it as God's truth and everybody else has to make their decision. You know, there are times <laughs> where I just love to grab people by both sides of their shirt and pick them up and just say, do you know what the Bible says? Stop! But I can't do that. Because again, it's not my life to live. How many of us, and we just talked about this when I was standing over there, about kids. How many of us, when our kids grow up and they move out and they get to the point where they're doing their own thing and we're going, that is not what I would be doing. That is not the decision I would make. But they're 22, 23, 24 years old and they gotta do their own thing. They're adulting now. They got to fall on their own face. And we're in the back going, oh, I know what's going to happen. I'm not psychic, but I've seen it a zillion times. And we try to warn them, but we can't live their life for them. They have to make their own decisions. Stop petting and patting Andrew on the back. <laughs> okay, I have my, uh, my daughter. Uh, Okay, she's at that age too where you're just like, okay, so I was just going to say pray for her. She had a little fender bender the end of this week, uh, so, and that always throws your world into a, into a turmoil when you have a little car accident, so and you, you're in the background going, here's what I would do, that's what I would do, you do what you do, <laughs> that, we have to do it that way, right? Okay, next one, number three. Having peace with God in his righteousness. He said he lived in peace and equity. I love this verse. This is a verse that just keeps coming up almost every week anymore with me. I think I'm stuck on it. But it's not a bad verse to be stuck on. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ became our sin so that he can take the sin from us and exchange it for his righteousness. And again, the book of Job, we've been studying on Wednesday night. Job continuously says, listen, I'm living in the righteousness of God. Not that he's presenting himself as sinless, but he's saying, listen, I don't have to be mucked down in the pit of sin anymore. I can live in God's righteousness. I can do things right. Remember, without faith, it is impossible to please god once you have faith and you receive jesus christ as your savior for the first time ever you can please god how awesome is that this is what he's saying he says listen i can live he's living in peace and equity he's living safe and in my righteousness is what god is saying about levi i hope that's where you are number one 
We're safe and secure. We just talked about that. It is well with my soul. Why? Because the world's now not a nut house? No, it still is. Because I'm not a sinner anymore? No, I still am. But I can be in security and safety because of what God did. And number two, I can have his righteousness anymore. I don't have to walk around this world burdened down by a heavy load of my own sin because there is no cure for it. There is a cure for it. Jesus is my cure. And he takes my filthy sin that weighs me down and makes me guilty and useless and exchange it with his righteousness and for the first time says, okay, Craig, now I can use you. Now you can please me. I've taken your sin away and I'm, I'm imputing to you my righteousness. I'm putting it on you, boy. Now time to get to work. I just love this, okay? So we have the peace of God and his righteousness. Look at Philippians here. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the praise and glory of God. That is exactly what he's talking about in Malachi. He says, Israel, you know what I've done for you? You are my people. You represent my name. Be holy as I am holy. I didn't do this just so you can feel good about yourself. Well, God forgave me of my sin, and aren't I awesome? No, God forgave me of my sin, and he's awesome to the praise and glory of God. That's why he did it. Okay, so the number three, we got to be realizing the privilege it is to walk in the peace of his righteousness. I'm safe, I'm secure, and I don't have to be bogged down by a sinful life that separates me from God and his plan. Man. How awesome is that? Okay, number four. Having the goal of reaching people with the gospel and seeing their sins forgiven. Did you see what it says here? He said, and did turn many away from iniquity. So he's done all these awesome stuff for us, and he's left us a job to do. We're to go out in this world and tell everybody else that they don't have to be bogged down in their sin anymore either. Okay, there's a problem sometimes in Christendom that we get the us for and no more attitude, right? You know, because I love Amish people, nice that they live this sort of puritanistic life, but you know what, they're so closed off, it's kind of like, this is for us, not for you. Quakers can do the same thing. If we're not careful, Bethel Bible Church can do the same thing. That we look at certain people and go, Ugh, I don't want them in our church. You know what kind of life they live? You know how bad of a drug dealer they are, or a murderer, or, you know, they're a vile sinner, and so are we. We've got to be careful that we reach out and turn many from their iniquity. That's what our job is. That's why we're still here. If we weren't here to reach people for Christ, God bring us home. Because again, we talked about all of creation is meant to glorify God. That's the real purpose of all of creation. But I can glorify God a whole lot better in heaven than I could here. Because I won't be trapped in this flesh. My job, the reason I'm still trapped here, the reason you're still here, is because we need to turn others from their iniquity. We need to tell them that Jesus is the cure for what ails you. Man, I love this. This is amazing. He said, I made this covenant with Levi because this is what I wanted Levi to do. Okay, this verse here, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, we know it, right? The Great Commission in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, keep going. Teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. Amen. Our job is to go get other people saved from the iniquity that they're bound in. That's exactly what he says here. Let me read the phrase again. And did turn many away from their iniquity. Whew. What a privilege it is. Now again, we're talking about this is our walk. This is how the, the life we're supposed to be living. These are the goals that you and I have as priests, as Christians. Next part. He also says the priest should have certain words, okay? If you notice here, it says, for the priest's lips should, dot, 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 okay? 
So he's letting us know, okay, priest, you got some lips, and here's what your lips should be doing. Okay, number one, guarding the truth of God's word. Okay, notice what it says here. It says, should keep knowledge. How many of you know what a keep is? Okay, any of you watch medieval movies or play video games and stuff like that? A keep is either a prison where you put bad people that can't get out, or it's a treasure trove where you keep valuable things because people can't get in. Okay, it is a place that you put to protect things. You protect the rest of society from people who you don't want getting out, or you keep your valuables from people who can't get in. That is why they call it a keep. Okay, uh, and there's a good uh, etymology lesson on the word we use, keep. You ever hear of a keepsake? Or if somebody says, will you keep this for me? That means you're going to take it and guard it, and it's going to be safe. Okay, well, he says you need to guard, you need to keep safe the knowledge of God's word. Okay, you need to keep it safe. That's, man, um, <laughs> I'm cursed with this thing. It is a cellular phone, <laughs> for those of you who are listening on recordings. The reason I say that is because sometimes you get on TikTok videos or anything else, and you'll hear so many people spout garbage that they present as God's truth. And I'm thankful a lot of times what you see is somebody who is actually reading the Word of God and defending it, saying what they're saying is absolutely not true. It is false teaching. It is, you know, terrible doctrine. We need to be aware. Now, um, there's some debate about this, I'll say this, but they say when you work at a bank, and some of you have worked at a bank, that one of the easiest ways to detect whether or not a bill is false is a counterfeit they don't hand you 20 counterfeit bills to learn from. You get used to handling the real thing. When you handle the real thing, all of a sudden when you do get handed something that's a fake, you can tell because it, you know what the real thing is. And see, that's the problem sometimes in Christianity today is nobody spends time in the real thing, so they don't know when a counterfeit comes. The only way you're really going to know whether something is false teaching is spend time in what's not false teaching. That's why it's so important. That's why, guys, we say, read your Bible every day. Because pastor's checking a list, and every day I type an email to God that says, you know, sister so-and-so didn't read her Bible on Tuesday. Get her. No, it's because when we become familiar with the truth, we're not easily deceived. When somebody comes and presents something that's not truth, we need to keep it. We need to guard it. Okay, holding fast the faithful word as ye have been taught, that ye may be able to, with by sound doctrine, to both exhort and to convince the gainsayers. He says, you know what? You need to hold on to that truth so that when the false stuff comes by, you can make sure you can. Um, what's the old word we talk about? Oh, Craig, it went in my head and went out. Uh, defend it. There's a f technical word. Why can't I? Uh, oh, well, I'll get back to it. Yeah, old age comes in. You can't think of certain words. Okay, next one. So priest words, number one, guarding. Number two fits right with it. You need to be seeking the truth. It says seeking the word of God, at the truth at his lips. That's why we're here today, I hope. That's why you spend time reading your Bible. That's why you spend time studying your Bible. Why? Because we're seeking God's truth. And it's not just Dan who shares it on Sunday morning and Sunday school or myself who shares it here on AM. We get together with God's people because we get to have the Word of God always in our mouth, right? So that when we're in the pews together, when we bump each other in the, in the foyer out there or out in the parking lot ever, we can share the truth of God with one another. We're here because we want to know. Okay, I hope so, because if you're not seeking the word of God and his truth, how are you going to know when the fake stuff comes? Okay, that's part of our lips. Look, it's study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I want to take just a second to break this down. If there's something that helps you be approved unto God, that means you could also be 
disapproved unto God, right? Um, if you can rightly divide the word of truth, you can wrongly divide the word of truth, right? Yes. Okay. And if you can not be ashamed, that means you could be ashamed, right? And this is all spending, about spending time in God's word. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Not disapproved. You study, God will be happy with you. Okay? When you are a workman, you don't need to be ashamed. Now this is where I have, uh, this is a commercial. This isn't in my notes. Well, pastor, I got this other version of the Bible because it's so much easier to read. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman. Where do you in that verse see where it says it should be easy? Everybody got really quiet. Now, please don't go crazy because I don't use an old handsaw when I'm working. I got power tools. I do find things that make life a little easier. Okay, so I'm not telling you that we don't find things that can help us in our growth. But I want us to understand the Word of God is not a weekly periodical that you buy down at the magazine stand where we just pick it up and browse through it. The Word of God is something we should spend studying and working through. So again, please, oh, pastor preached against above. I'm not saying that. I just understand. Please do not approach it saying, I need the easiest access to God's word because that's not what he wants. He wants us to be approved and not ashamed and that comes from studying and working hard to learn his word. If you're just picking it up so I can just, I got to buzz through this chapter to check one off because I'll be, make God happy. That is not impressing God. Okay, so you notice, just so nobody gets crazy, I didn't see a, say a single version by name, have I? Well, pastor said don't, I didn't say nothing like that. The issue is why are you approaching that? Because you just want it to be as easy as possible? That's where I'm questioning, is please don't take the easiest route when it comes to God's word, because he wants us to put some effort into his truth. Okay, study, work. Then you'll be ashamed. Then you'll be approved. Then you'll know you're rightly dividing the word of truth. One more thing, and this is a I didn't. This is nowhere in my notes. God's just smacking me with this right now. I, I, I'm a math nut, but you know what is the hardest part of math? How's addition? Two plus two. It's pretty easy, right? Subtraction. That's even better. I had six donuts. I ate three. How many do I have? Okay. Um, even multiplication isn't so bad. You know what the hardest one is? Well, that's tough, but division, okay? And if you really know what, want to know what division is, that's uh, 15 over 25. That's a, just the way to describe division. Division is one of the hardest things. And God knew this when he was structuring language. He says rightly dividing the word of truth. So you have studying it, you have working at it, and you're going to have to divide it. It's going to take some effort. That's what God wants from us when it comes to his word. All right, we good? All right, next one. Sharing the word of God. Look what it says here and again. They should seek, oh, his word. And then the last part of it, he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. So we need to protect it, guard it. We need to be seeking its truth, rightly dividing it. We need to be digging in. And then we need to be sharing it with others. Okay, no way around it. We just read the Great Commission verse, but here's another one. Whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Uh, how many times do we see every man in that verse? Each of the three sections, it says everybody. There have been times in my life that I have run into certain people and the bus kids was one of them. When we had a bigger bus route here at church, you know, these little ones would come in 
and mom and dad hadn't taken much care of them in a day or two, and they come in and they got dried snot hanging on the side of their face, and this morning's breakfast hanging on them, and their little, their little angels, not. And you know, sometimes your first reaction is, you just don't want to deal with it. When I uh, lived in downtown Boston, there were certain folks you'd bump into on the street, and you were already kind of, you wanted to back away just because of safety purposes, just because of feeling in your heart, you just like, not ready to deal with God says, listen, how many people are we supposed to share this message with? Every man. We don't get to pick and choose and say, I like that one over there. That was, you know, every man. Well, pastor, they're rich. They would be good people to have come into our church. Careful now. Every man. There's not a person that we should look at that we are not willing to be a messenger of the truth to. And I'll tell you, there's certain people today that, uh, I mean, from 40 yards away, you can kind of tell their political stand by the, sorry, color of their hair, their haircut, or the clothes they're wearing and everything, and automatically, and they may have a political uh, garb on of some different side of the fence, and you probably know what you're dealing with before you even walk up to them, but you know what? We are still supposed to deliver the message to every man we don't pick and choose i thank god he didn't pick and choose with us god says he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance jesus christ died to pay for the sins of the entire world not just a couple of folks that he thought were worth it (laughs) every man right okay sharing the word of god so after all that, he says, listen, here's what I, how, what I want you to walk. I want you to, your life to reflect this. This is what I want your words to be like. You better be making sure you're protecting that truth. You better make sure you're seeking and studying it and you're sharing that truth with others. And then he says, uh, if you're not, verse 8, you're departed out of the way and you have caused many to stumble at the law. And ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Next slide. Or next, quick. Number one, you're departed out of the way. Hmm, we just talked about the priest's walk. And now he says, I've laid out a path for you nice and straight, and you walked off the path. Your walk is not where it should be. Number two, he says, and you've caused many people to stumble. Your words, they haven't been sharing the truth. You haven't been guarding it. You haven't been keeping it. You've helped a lot of people walk away from the Lord because of your conversation, because of your, the things you say. How many times, folks, have we said, those Christians, they say one thing and do another. And God says, listen, you better make sure your words are matching your walk. You're walking out of the way and you're causing a lot of other people to go right with you. Be careful. This ain't no game we're playing. We as Christians, we talked about this, what, last week and the week before that. We got comfortable here in America, didn't we? We can just sit back and just be lazy Christians and not have to worry about anything, right? Because I can just do whatever I want, think whatever I want, say whatever I want. Because we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Which I love. I'm glad. But you know what? Sometimes uh, our faith means a lot more to us when we realize it may cost us our life. And we don't get lazy about it, right? We just talked about that last week. Okay, last part of this slide says, you have corrupted the covenant of Levi. God just said, listen, here's the things I want you to do. Your walk, your words. This is what I want you to reflect. But you guys, nope, that's not what you're doing. So with that in mind, next slide, he says, I'm going to, have some consequences. So God made them despised and humbled in the eyes of the people. I wonder. Now I know the word of God says, listen, if you live like a Christian, Jesus himself, his own words, he says that they hate you, it's because they hated me too. 
Sometimes when you bear the truth of God, people aren't going to like it. But there's also the fact, and I wonder sometimes in Christianity, especially in our church today, if we are brought low, we're humbled, we're despised as Christians in our world today because Christians haven't stood up and walked and the way we should. And there's a major population now that don't like Christians, don't want Christian teaching, don't want morality, don't want anything to do with Christians in this country. And it's because they're just sick and tired of Christians who are hypocrites, who say one thing but do another. He says, because they didn't walk in God's ways. Listen, you, he says right here, listen, well, let me read the whole verse again. Not my words. Therefore, I have also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as thou hast not kept my ways. Now, that's an interesting phrase. If you do something according to, what does that mean? It's kind of a sliding scale, right? If you do things like this, I'm going to act accordingly. If you do things like this, I'm going to act accordingly. God says, you know what? The way you have walked away from my word is how base and how contemptible you're going to be in this world. According to the way you have walked in my ways. God says, listen, I'm going to humble you. I'm going to make you despise the, in this world because of the way you've not kept my commandments. Man, what a reminder that is to you and I. That if we would keep his commandments, we already talked about the blessings, right? That God would fill our barns and give us fruit and we, all those wonderful things if we would walk in his commandments. So why don't we? Now again, I know I'm preaching to the choir. But we got a country full of people who call themselves Christian, quote unquote, but they're certainly not acting and walking and talking like a Christian. And God says, listen, there's some consequences to that. The second half is because they acted like hypocrites and they only picked the things they wanted to obey. Hmm. You know, I choose to believe that I can have my sins forgiven by God. But I don't choose that I should live by his rules. I don't choose to believe in the things he says, all of it. I'll just believe those things that work out good for me. Okay, yeah, yeah, if I, if I pray, God's going to answer. I like that one. But if I do sinful things, God's going to oh, no, no, I don't believe that. Well, there's a heaven. I believe we're going to go to heaven when we die. There's a hell. Oh, I don't believe in hell. We see this all over in Christianity where the Bible says there's a partialness to the law. And there are people who will actually say this, and, and I'm going to define it first, this is God's absolute authority and his word. Okay, there are people who say this contains God's word. Be careful, because that means it is in here, but you get to pick and choose what parts are God's word or not. It's all God's word or it's none of God's word. Okay, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You can't just say, oh, you know that part about getting drunk, that part about doing drugs, that part about homosexuality, that part about adultery, that part of all those things. No, I don't believe in that. But boy, I do believe in Jesus as my Savior. You can't have a partial. The verse here says right at the end, but you have been partial in the law. God has several times in his word, and I didn't look them all up for time's sake, said, if you offend in one point, you offend in all. Their problem was they were only partial in the law. And this is why we got to keep it. This is why we got to study it. This is why we got to share it to make sure people understand the truth. The whole truth and nothing. Anyway, okay, next slide. Here we go. How's your walk? You have the word of God in your mouth? You have the teaching of God that is God's truth, not just opinion, not just thoughts, but the truth of God? You have peace walking in God's righteousness. Man, I love that one. You have the goal of reaching the people with the gospel and seeing their sins forgiven right delivering them from iniquity how's your walk 
Number two, how's your words? Are you guarding God's truth? Are you seeking God's truth? Are you preaching, sharing, talking about God's truth? This is what the questions are today. Now again, I started out this praying saying, Lord, it's not my job to find out what each one of us need. He already told you what you need. Just reading his word. He already told me what I need. But guys, there's a world out there that is representing Christ as Christians. Without these, they have corrupted the covenant of Levi. We get an opportunity, an amazing opportunity, to go out there and represent the name of Christ according to his truth. Never, ever, ever take that for granted. That is an amazing thing that you and I get to do. We get to say, if they want to live their Jesus that way, that's fine. I'm going to live my Jesus according to his word. Amen? How's your walk? How's your words? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, please, I am not going to stand up here and say, I got these down. I do not. Lord, this is a work in progress every single day. But thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us. You don't throw us in the trash if we mess up. We get to get better every day. We have the opportunity to be privileged to serve. What an awesome thing. And so, Father, we talk often about going out there and telling people about Jesus. And a lot of times we're thinking about reaching a lost person for Christ. And that's true. But, Father, there is also times we could go out there and talk about Jesus and remind Christians that there is a truth, and we need to guard it, we need to protect it, we need to study it, that our life isn't just words we say that don't mess our, mix with our actions. But, Father, we're showing ourselves to be your children. Lord, we have a fear for your name. Lord, not that you're going to strike us with a lightning bolt, but we are so protective of who we represent. And so, Father, help us to go out there sharing that word of God with people who need their sins forgiven, their iniquities dealt with, but also, Lord, sharing the word of God with folks who could represent him better. And again, please, Father, none of us represent him perfectly. We can all do better. But, Lord, it is an amazing thing to strive for. Before we had faith, it was impossible to please you. But, Lord, now that we do have faith, we are privileged to be able to represent you in this world. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.